Do you click on something that is dubious or maybe even looks fine? No, I am not the Prince of Egypt. And uh, no, you did not win the lotto. Filtering, we have, we have like six levels of filtering. Now I'm joined by Tom Lonergan, who is the National Coordinator for Tech Integration um, for the PDST. Is that, is that right? Did I even book in that? National Coordinator for Technology Integration, which sounds a lot more than it is really, I guess. I'm, I uh, work as part of the team in, in, in PDST Technology and Education. There's about 15 of us all together. And I work uh, as part mainly on the technology area. So my background is technical and electronic engineering way back, <laughs> too long to remember. So, and I've worked in industry for, you know, 20 odd years or something like that before I came to uh, the National Centre for Technology and Education, which was NCTE uh, back in 2002. And I've been there since, which probably says something about maybe I do like the job, right? So uh, <laughs> we were talking I, I, before. I like, yeah, I, like, I certainly like working with schools. And so I've been working with primary and post-primary schools for the last 18 and a half years or something like that. Yeah, which is And great. you, it was something we spoke about off, offline and just before we pressed record, you asked me, was I still with schools? And I was saying, that yeah i can't seem to get out that's the thing um the working in schools it's hard it's not easy but uh, i just can't leave it there's something yeah. about it and you're you're another person in the same boat i mean you're at it how long now uh, well since 2002 yeah so that's that's quite a while so almost almost 19 years so um it's almost 20 whatever yeah yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah, quite, a, quite a long time. So yeah, I must admit, I, I do enjoy it. I spend a lot of my time talking with principals, deputy principals, ICT coordinating teachers, mainly on the ICT area in school and with regard to ICT equipment and infrastructure. And Tom, before we get into any of that, because I have, um, I have, I want to talk about, about your role, but before that, what, what got you to this place now to hear? Don't say a link from me. <laughs> to this moment <laughs> well i mean uh, obviously since college i've been working pretty well in in, in industry for qu quite a long time so i've worked in galway for a large telecoms company uh, with 125,000 people a company called nortel networks and i spent a year working in canada with them uh, and after i think i was 12 and a half years with them and then uh, uh, i spent about four years working with an internet startup uh, cloud-based telecoms company uh, uh, in Galway as well, uh, completely from start. So it was all in the tech, tech space and, uh, you know, large companies, small companies. And then uh, I saw this job advertised working with schools and technology. And I was kind of looking for a change. And I, and I thought, well, that might be interesting. So I applied uh, back in 2002, got the job, and I've been here based in Dublin City University, or at the moment based at home, but mm -hmm. pretty close to Dublin City University. So that's where our office is. And uh, ever since then, you know, we've I've been working with schools. And I suppose, you know, in, initially it was kind of, I suppose, when you think back in 2002, it was pre, you know, we, we didn't start introducing the school's broadband program until 2005. Before we go to the school's broadband plan, can you tell us a bit about your uh, your role so my role very simply is twofold one i 
help coordinate the school's broadband program with a number, well, with the Department of Education and with HEANet and with, you know, a few, a few colleagues here in PBST Technology and Education and with our broadband service desk. That's probably, you know, depending on how busy we are, that could be 50% or more of my, of my role. And the rest of my role then is advising schools on technology, uh, everything from devices, Wi-Fi, networking, audiovisual stuff, projectors, interactive flat panels, etc etc and including all sorts of things like cyber security so it's a really i suppose one of the things i like about the job is it's really varied right so i get emails and calls and whatnot uh with, from schools every day every week uh, on all sorts of things and i and and something new comes up every week so it, it you know it keeps you thinking keeps you kind of aware of the different aspects and the different perspectives out there so that's kind of my role now, with it being European Cybersecurity Month, and I do realize, and I ask you that your role isn't your, it's not cybersecurity expert or anything by that means. So, so I, I don't want to, don't answer anything that you're not comfortable answering. Um, but the school broadband and cybersecurity, they kind of go hand in hand. So tell us, first of all, about the school broadband plan. That's, I think that's something that not an awful lot of people know about, or yeah. at least they no, because they can connect to the internet when they go into school. But as yeah. far as the back end, they don't seem to. Yeah. Well, as, as I said, we're the, it's funded by the Department of Education, the program. Uh, ourselves and HEANet are the two main delivery and operational partners. So HEANet schools don't really engage with HEANet directly. They engage with the program through our service desk, our school's broadband service desk. So broadband service desk at pdst.ie or we've got a 1-800 number as well. So, uh, and a number of people, we've got about six people on our help desk and they spend their day engaging with schools who call them, email them or whatever, uh, uh, in terms of usually schools call if they have an issue or, uh, you know, they want to discuss something or whatever. So those, the, the service desk is, is, is reports to PDST technology and education, I guess reports to me uh, from a reporting point of view. So I have an overseeing role there. <laughs> And I work very closely with the service desk and with my colleague, Helen McKeown, who is the broadband support manager, uh, in terms of just in, uh, providing the best possible broadband services we can to schools within you know, the budgets of the, uh, the, the, the allocated budgets of the department. And I suppose since 2005, we have had you know, a number of waves of improving the technology. And literally every, every day, we're, we're, we're improving, you know, we're, we're, oh, if you think back to 2005, the technologies that were available then, uh, we have much better technologies now. So we had a lot of satellite connections, you know, so we had dishes on top of schools, uh, literally pointing towards the Southern Hemisphere, where it went to a satellite and bounced down to a, an earth station. We, 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 we haven't, we've eliminated all the satellite dishes mm -hmm. in schools for, I don't know, five or six years now or more. Uh, so we still have fiber, uh, we, we have still cable, we have wireless point-to-point -point connections, so it still looks like a little bit of an aerial on a school, but it's generally pointing to a, a hill someplace, and it's, it's not, <laughs> we still have schools telling us that they have satellite dishes, but believe me, none of them are active. They're still possibly out there on the, you know, on, on, on school buildings, but they're not active. And it has to be said before, um, there are some schools, there are schools, some schools that are a bit out of reach at the moment but it's not that they're forgotten about or anything it's just they're just out of reach they're, the reach they're, it's getting there it's just 
if you're there if are you're... still a, there are still a handful of schools and and literally it's a very small number of schools who who like I've come across schools who you probably know Mam Cross there in mm, I do indeed yeah. in Galway yeah. uh, I know there was a school out there in the hills of uh, you know the the Mam Turk Mountains mm-hmm. etc uh, and uh, you know maybe they've got better broadband now but a number of years ago like literally you know the, the, they they had very very poor broadband they they had a broadband connection but it was actually very slow and there are some schools in really remote remote areas now the vast majority of schools I have to say. Have you know an awful, even primary schools an awful lot of primary schools I don't have the exact percentages here but uh, you know would have you know greater than 100 megs at the moment and I mean it has to be said look at I've, I've worked on schools all over the country there, there was a time and in the short time I've been doing this uh, it's a short enough time but I remember going to a school trying to for example update iPads and it, I'd have to bring them off site to update them and then bring them sure. back. Sure. But that has changed. I've been to that school since, and the broadband is amazing. So that's just a okay. testament that the work is always going yeah. on behind the scenes because we don't actually, see it. Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of work on. at the moment. Like we have effectively two programs within the broadband program. So uh, back in 2010, we started. You know, there was a, uh, an initiative where we, where hun, hun, every post primary school and special schools with post primary students uh, received a minimum of 100 megabits per second, and that mm-hmm. was. And that was real 100 megabits per second, as opposed to up to, you know, you go to a commercial provider, they might say up to a certain amount. And there's also caveats, et cetera. But that was real, like either point to point wireless or real fiber, like fiber in the ground, Mm -hmm. et cetera, as opposed to e-fiber or fiber to the home, et cetera, which are not always fiber. Well, Fiber to the home is actually fiber, but but e-fiber is is part copper, part part. Copper. Yeah. I'm not getting too technical about it, but but basically, yeah. In two thousand, from two thousand ten onwards, we started the the post primary schools got one hundred megs of broadband, and some of them now have five six hundred megs of broadband. Whereas post uh, primary schools, in the last year or so, actually, we have a lot of we have two main programs. Uh, one with HEANet. And one with the national broadband scheme, where basically rural schools are now getting up to 150 megs of broadband, right, which is very good. With broadband comes security. Now, again, I think it's we have to say it. You're not a security expert. I didn't bring you on because you were a security expert. But I just wanted your take on security within schools for the man that advises the schools about equipment etc without getting to look at before i pressed record myself and you said we were getting pretty nerdy about the two-factor authentication and trust zero trust and all that but like what's your take on it what would be your advice you're sitting now in a staff room there's a group of teachers listening to you what's your advice to teachers and what is their advice probably what do you think they should tell their students yep First of, first of all, like maybe I should just say that the school's broadband network has a certain amount of security controls mm-hmm. built in, right? So the one that would be most familiar to schools and teachers would be content filtering, for example. So we we so with the broadband connection, you get a content filtered connection. So which typically you don't get if you're a commercial, like if you're if you're a home user and you order broadband, your your connection is not content filtered. You can access any websites you like. You can you can buy some some solutions for that, and some of them may be pretty good or may work okay, etc. But but we provide it as part of the course service uh, uh, from day one since two thousand and five. 
and we asked schools to sign up to an AUP. It was generally signed by the principal of the school, et cetera. And most teachers don't have to worry about that because it's all built in. Uh, so uh, as part of the, the we, uh, in addition to the filtering, we have, we have like six levels of filtering uh, from quite restricted to uh, fairly, uh, to uh, level six, for example, would allow access to Facebook. Uh, and social media, etc. And some schools want that. It's their choice whether they want it or not. If you're on level four, you can have access to YouTube. If you don't want access to, to YouTube for whatever reason, most schools generally do now, uh, you can be on level three and you can block YouTube. And that's, you know, schools, some schools, some schools have made that choice. Right? That's, a, that's a great, it's a great service to have. More importantly, it's a great service for how do I say that for for schools to understand that they have and I'll give you a real life scenario I walk into a school and I know my colleague uh, Chris is working on pretty much the same projects as I'm working on the other end of the world down in Kerry um, but we go into a school and the principal says those devices we want them to be YouTube restricted but the teacher devices we want them to play YouTube Yes. And it's such a simple conversation. So I pick up the phone and I talk to the desk. And I think they know me there at this stage because it's a very much how you now kind of attitude. Um, and it's, it's very simple. Can you, and you give the, the IP address. Can I get so many IP addresses that are restricted and so many that, that aren't? And the yeah. guys are amazing. They go, yeah, yeah, no problem. That'll be sorted within 24 hours. I mean, that service, that level of service. Yeah, yeah. That, that, we've had that service in place for, I guess, I don't know, seven or eight years or something. We didn't have it in place initially because mm -hmm. the, we, we, we actually, you know, nobody was looking for it. But uh, as the school, uh, as things evolved, you know, teachers and, and uh, saw the need to have, uh, you know, the different levels of filtering for themselves. So typically uh, uh, in, a, in a large post-primary school, uh, teachers might be on level six, the, the teacher network might be mm. on level six, and the student network might be on level four or yeah. something like that, right? There is another side to all of this, and of course the teachers will know this, and anybody, any teacher that's walked through the corridor, when you see a student on a phone in a, a controlled environment, which the school internet tends to be, school networks tend to be a controlled environment, you know that they're on a VPN, or you know that they've sidestepped security uh, somehow. And I mean, what, what, how, how, how do we deal with that? How do Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, they may be on a VPN. Uh, they may be accessing their 4G network, right? So they may be on their own data plan, which is separate. So obviously, when you go into your phone, you select the Wi-Fi or, or, or the, either the Wi-Fi within the school, or you can turn off Wi-Fi and you can go 4G, right? So obviously, if you're if you're accessing the, the external mobile network, we have no control over that connection, right? That's so any teacher or any pupil can be accessing 4G or 3G within their school, which is just like you're walking down the street and you're access, accessing that. Uh, obviously, if they're accessing the, the school broadband network, the school Wi-Fi, that is connected back to our school broadband connection and content filtering applies. Yeah. That's, and the important thing is, uh, it's have a good uh, acceptable use policy in school have a solid acceptable use policy in school. Yeah, well, um, we, we only connect schools when they confirm to us that they have an AUP, uh, but every school, like every school in the country effectively has an AUP, right? And just back to the, the connection, the, the question about, or the inference to VPN, mm. uh, we do, we block, we block 
a significant amount of VPNs out there, right? Okay. As, uh, so, uh, and the reason being is because that's part of the content filtering uh, service we we offer we offer to schools. So uh, because there are like literally thousands and probably more VPNs out there, uh, some of them are probably well run and well controlled and stuff like that. And and you know, rely not just reliable but you know dependable from a an internet safety point of view. But there's an awful lot of them who are not. So mm -hmm. HENS, uh, you know, they would regularly run security checks on lots of VPNs and based on information out there. That the best information, you know, forums and stuff, they would they would actually block uh, an awful lot of the inappropriate VPNs that that, that are, are not suitable for schools. And back to uh, back to what we were talking about, the advice for teachers and students. So it's it's our advice without saying this is what you do, because I I think that's that's unfair. But we do need to offer some advice with regards to security. So you've provided the broadband, you've tied it down with content filtering. We have, you bring in your, your Hassan, your Chris, your company or whoever, they've separated the two networks. You have a student network and a teacher network. That's another layer of security. What advice would you give to teachers? Just yep. a teacher sitting down going, what can I do? Yeah. One more point before we move off it, just mm -hmm. in case we don't come back to it. On the school's broadband network, we have a central firewall, right? So we use a product called, well, we've used different products over the years, but we currently, and we've been using it for a while, a product called Palo Alto, right? Now, Palo Alto is one of the leading security providers out there. And because we've got a whole school network before over 4,000 schools, we've got a, let's just say it's a large Palo Alto system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is top of, top, top range, top of the range. It's really an excellent product, right? And we block all sorts of, let's call it malware, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's out there. Uh, you would also, we don't want to get too technical about this, but there's there's a whole range of people out there who like hacking into networks and stuff like that. And one of the common uh, ways they do it is they they have a, a they have a, a, an approach called DDoS, mm -hmm. denial of service, right? Or distributed denial of, of service, where they can run from different points and attack your your network from different points. So the, the Palo Alto system is designed to handle all that kind of stuff, right? And HENET, the, the reason we, we work very closely with, uh, you know, we have HENET running our core network is because they've got security experts within HENET and they're used to getting like a, an organization like a school network or a hospital network, you know, with reference to the recent uh, ransomware attack or whatever, you know, having, having all the schools connecting back to a core expert set, set of expert uh, engineers with a suitable infrastructure in place is really important. And I remember once speaking to uh, someone in Scotland and like Scotland would have a very strong reputation in terms of, uh, you know, education and et cetera. Et cetera. And uh, I was presenting at something and so was this person from Scotland. He came up to me after and he said, did you say you have one central point which all the schools connect to uh, and I said, yes, we do. Yeah, we've had that since day one. Uh, and he said, he said, I would love to have that because in Scotland, we've got 34 local authorities who all, all have their own version oh, of wow. that, et cetera. So he said, we have to control 34 different virtual HEA, you know, central core systems with effectively 34 different firewalls. Whereas we all, we always have had that as one system. So one of the advantages of that from my perspective and from school's perspective if, for example, we get a call or a service desk gets a call saying, look, 
a school was able to access an inappropriate website, can we get it blocked? Literally, you know, within minutes, we could block that website for all schools in Ireland, right? Which is a quite a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel that more people need to realize what's going on behind the scenes. So wrapping that up, and we'll go back to that question again. Oh, yes. Advice for teachers. Advice so. for teachers. Okay. What would be my advice for teachers? Well, my advice for schools, I guess there are different roles within a school, right? So if you're the principal of a school, you have an oversight into the whole school. If you're deputy principal or an ICT coordinating teacher, maybe. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a teacher in a school, I guess... I would expect that the other roles in the school would look after the central kind of uh, things within a school. We can talk about, so there's kind of two areas. If mm -hmm. I was talking to a principal, I would be kind of thinking, you need to look at your overall in infrastructure or your, uh, uh, in the school. And in terms of like how, you know, what, uh, it's about really data protection, right? And if we were to take, you know, I suppose the most high profile attack on data in the last couple of years and even this year, ransomware would be you know one of the big things out there so we as personal users like you and i when we're on our or, or any teacher or when they're working on any computer be it at home or in school or whatever you know you need to be careful about you know what you click on do you click on something that is dubious or maybe even looks fine but you click on it and maybe something might happen so i mean there's basic basic advice like don't click on anything unless unless it's it, you know who the email is coming from. Uh, it's especially dangerous if there's a link or an attachment that they say, you know, please click on this or whatever. And so hackers and, you know, ransomware people, the people who are behind ransomware, they have all sorts of ways uh, and not just technical ways, but social engineering ways of, you know, getting, gaining the trust of somebody whether to get their bank details, personal details, passwords, et cetera, et cetera. And their whole purpose of ransomware is not hacking for the sake of hacking. It's based on, you know, revenue, trying to, trying to you know, it's, it's based on trying to earn money from that, from that process. So, uh, and I, I mean, I often, I've never actually been luckily attacked or personally on my computer or whatever by ransomware, but Sometimes I have to visualize, you know, what it will look like. And basically what it will look like will be you come in the morning, you turn on your computer and rather than get your, your normal log on screens, what you see is uh, we have infected your computer with whatever uh, you need to contact this number or click on this link or whatever to so that we can uh, and pay a ransom so so we can undo the damage. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I, my first advice would be turn off the computer, disconnect it, make sure, try and limit the damage to that computer, and then talk to your IT person or whoever who is, who is going to help you in that situation. And, can I, uh, can yeah. I add something to that as well? Mm -hmm. So when, when, this, when this does happen, if it does happen, I've seen it a few times in a few different schools and it was dealt with, it was dealt with, very, it was dealt with quite well. So when it happens, contact your IT person. There is no repercussion. There is no IT person that's going to go, what did you do? That, that, exactly. It's not about assigning yeah. blame. It's about it's, fixing it's the problem. I 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something that, uh, and you, 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 you know, it could happen to anyone. It could happen mm -hmm. to me in an instant. I mean, I 
if you get a lot of emails, sometimes, of course, we all do it. Uh, we click on something and the next thing, we think, oh my God, what was that? This is et cetera. So yes, it's very easily done. My, my, my assum working assumption is we, we will all get uh, attacked, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's very important to have a mindset that thinks when I get attacked rather than if I get attacked. Yes. Yeah. And when you, when, you, when you get attacked either personally at home on your own computer or within a school or a, a, another network, it's a case of a, a, you need to have a plan. So the plan might be just turn, turn everything off and call somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Call your IT person. Uh, that, is, that is the most important thing because the longer the computer is, remains active and especially if, and obviously not to engage with any of the, uh, of the emails or links or instructions from somebody who might be pretending and might be, might be very good at, at, at uh, acting. No, I, I, do you know what, John, yeah. there's a good rule of thumb in that, no, I am not the Prince of Egypt. And uh, no, you did not win the lotto. Um, yeah, because well, those communications are not going to take a place over emails. Exactly. Well, th those ones have been around for a long time, but I suppose... Uh, like we've all like I probably get a couple of calls every week uh, from somebody telling the, telling me there's something wrong with my social wealth or you know my yeah, uh, yeah my yeah. revenue account or my bank account or something like that and like I just hang up says uh, Satra they're annoying uh, and there's nothing you can really do about them except just you know uh, turn off your phone uh, turn off your computer do not do not engage, well, obviously not turn off your computer, but just delete the email. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't engage with it. And from a school point of view, and I get this, I get this an awful lot, and just to add to everything you've, you've said there, teachers are getting now, thanks to COVID, are getting more and more, their inbox is getting, there's loads of emails coming in between whatever platform they're on and students communicating with them. Here's the rule. If it's homework you assigned, then fair enough. But if the student is emailing you, you don't recognize the student's name, you don't recognize the link, there's no harm asking the student the next day, did you send me that email? Like, the, the, there's, we shouldn't exactly. be afraid to go, did you send that? I, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Or yeah. Yeah. that link that you sent was, was broken. Can you send it to me again? If exactly. you're not sure, don't be afraid to ask. Exactly. And, and I get emails that, that look I mean, I get lots of emails from IT companies or what seems mm -hmm. like IT companies selling their services and whatever. And I have moved in my thinking from, oh, that might be interesting to check that out to, do I understand this? Do I need this? Mm -hmm. Do I know who it's coming from? Yeah. Delete. Yeah. Delete. If, if like, you know, if I, if I get it, if I get another email the following week saying, hi, Tom, for some reason you haven't replied to my email, this is really John. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Then, then that's different. I mean, if it's important enough, they will come back uh, and, and you will be able to authenticate who that's, that's, it's, who that's Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. We, we've of late attached so much importance to our email and to our email communication yeah. that we kind of feel that we have to respond now. Exactly. But if you don't know and then... Hassan emails you back again going, you know, we met for coffee at such, your point is very valid. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I suppose in terms of like, I mean, there's lots of things that we can do individually in terms of being, I mean, the, the first thing is to have the mindset of being aware of this stuff. So awareness, I guess, is the first thing. But having said that, I think there's a high likelihood that even if you're aware, because we're all very busy, we're doing multiple things at any one time, you could click on something 
uh, and I could, I could, this could happen to anybody who is fully aware of the, of the, of the risks here. It, you know, we all act kind of subconsciously sometimes. We're trying to clear our inbox, yeah. get through our emails. I say, oh my God, I've got 20 emails. I click through these ones here and, and you've clicked on something without even knowing it, right? Uh, and then it, it may or may not become obvious. So, you know, does that awareness thing, just visualizing, you know, what could happen, I think is, <laughs> I have to remind myself of it every now and again. Once I visualize, look, if you don't be a little more careful here, something bad could happen and you could be locked out of your system. You could lose so much data, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously, as, a, as an individual user, we all need to be keeping backups, right? And when I say a backup, I mean a backup that is separated from your computer, right? So the simplest form of backup for an individual is, you know, a USB drive that you plug in and like we, we've all got so much data, I, I think it's very important that we seg that we separate out the data that is really important as opposed to other data. So you could lose, or you, you or I could lose a lot of our data, but it mightn't be the end of the world, right? Because a lot of that data might be stored someplace else on the internet or whatever, but there's certain data that, that is critical. And I think it's very important to do regular backups and to unplug that backup at an individual level on a USB drive at a school level, either to a separate backup that is separated because, you know, when the school closes at, you know, four o'clock on a yeah. Friday, just like, just like now, uh, you know, systems are still running. And I've gone into schools or I've talked to schools. I've, yeah, actually been in schools. I'm sure you have. And you see us, you see, a, and you know, where a school occasionally I would go into a school and have a look around and, they, you know, they would ask me to check out different things and give them, give them advice. Uh, and, you know, I've come across servers that have been running there for 10 years, but nobody has turned them off and nobody mm. is using them. Right. First of all, they're wasting power. But secondly, there is security risk. So any device that is turned on and left on the whole time is really a security risk. Right. Uh, and 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 no server should be running on a school unless it's active. It's providing services. And ideally, uh, I, I would I would prefer if we had no servers in schools, that everything would be in the cloud. Because the cloud is more secure, right? Um, that's uh, that's some solid advice, uh, Tom. How do people get a hold of you? Maybe not you directly, but the service PDST okay. and IT provide. Yeah, uh, they need advice. Where do they go? Well, we've had an email for quite a number of years. Uh, it's called ICT Advice at PDST.ie, right? So ICT Advice at PDST.ie. Um, and generally, that's that comes into myself, and also comes into my colleague Deirdre Redmond. So either Deirdre or myself will will, will respond to that. Yeah. Tom, thank you very much. I, I realize you're the busiest man in Ireland. <laughs> thank you very much for making the time, and uh, we really appreciate it. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure, Hassan. Thank you. Bye bye.